AM 630 The Word is proud to feature our Church of the Week. Our desire is that you will get to know the pastors and churches in our community and find a church you and your family can call home. Here's the host of our AM 630 The Word Church of the Week program, Director of Ministry Development, Marcus Burgos. Thank you and welcome once again to the Church of the Week program right here on KSLR AM 630 The Word. We love the word here at, uh, at Salem and in San Antonio and wherever you're listening to us. Uh, I'm sure if you've read the Bible, it's, it's to love it. And uh, I, I, I challenge you to read the Bible. Uh, there's, there's, there's so many verses, so many books. As I, I, I sometimes find, the, find myself saying, hey, my favorite verse, and I'm talking about 10 v- different verses. But today I want to share with you early in the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 8, when that famous conversation between God and Moses is happening and uh, and this is where that those famous words are spoken, where God tells Moses, uh, go back. Let me read it for you. Then the Lord said to Moses, go back to Pharaoh and announce to him, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so they can worship me. That's Exodus chapter 8, and, and that's verse 1. And I know the, the, the famous part of it, let my people go. Uh, but I can't, I, I always get stuck at go back. Before we get to the let my people go and, and before the, the reason for the let my people go that they may worship me is the go back. And a lot of times we don't see what we want God to do or what we're asking God to do because we hold back on the go back. And, and I want to I challenge you. There's, there's somebody waiting for you. These are Moses' brothers, sisters, his family, his people. And God has probably delivered you from somewhere and back there there are people that you love there are people there's family there's there's loved ones there's neighbors that are that are suffering through what god delivered you from and i think there's there's a word there for us to to kind of take to heart and rather than you know ignore the past and and no i can't i can't go i think god would be calling us to go back that's such a missionary such a missional type of mindset and heart that god will say i delivered you with purpose and part of that purpose is to go back not to go back and get into the trouble but to go back and get the people that he loves as much as he loves you amen so uh, I'm, I'm not telling you to go back into the bar and get, you know, and to get drunk. Uh, but I am telling you to go back to the people. Go back, go back to those people that you know, some of the people you used to hang with, and, and now you don't. You haven't seen them in years. Give them a call. Find them on Facebook. Make Facebook uh, be a tool for the kingdom. And, and begin to share what God did with you to them. And if he did it with you, and we know that's a great miracle, he can do it with them. Amen. Well, with that, with that missionary mindset and missional word, I have a man of God uh, in the studio with me today that I, I just met. And in the little conversation we had, uh, he's talking to me about, about being a missionary and for so many years. And so I want you to stay tuned because we're going to hear a great, uh, a great testimony uh, from Pastor Mike Jackson. He is the pastor of Freeborn Church right here in San Antonio. So, Pastor Mike, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Great to be here. I'm, I'm excited to hear about your your testimony. Um, 
in the little conversation that we had, you kind of triggered that that devotional mm. for me uh, today. I was I was struggling with what to how to open today, mm. and and you kind of just you 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 opened up for me a, a passage. I probably could have kept on preaching, but we only have twenty five minutes, and so I want to hear about you. Are you a PK? Are you where are you from? Were you born in San Antonio? Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. So I was born in Houston, but I'm not from pretty much anywhere. We until I was. Until I was about 40, I never lived in the same house more than about six months. So we moved from Michigan to Houston and back every six months. My dad farmed in Michigan in the summer and framed apartments in Houston in the winter. So we moved every six months back and forth, back and forth. So, That's interesting. Not not usually you hear that type of testimony mm-hmm. from military people. Yeah, no. <laughs> being, being a farmer, I, I, I see. I yeah. see that. Uh, so you're you're from around. Yeah, from all over. And um I, we would go to church. My, my, I grew up going to church. Grew up, learned how to read, to reading the Bible, wow. right? But, um, but was my, my, my parents weren't preachers. They just attended church very faithfully. Their parents had attended church very faithfully. That meant whenever the church was open, we were there. And um, it's a very good way to bring your kids up. So there was a seed planted. Oh yeah, definitely, years. definitely. But like anybody, you know, the gospel is foreign news to me. It's something I didn't understand. Although I, when I was very young, I was about six years old, we were in our little church in Michigan, and it was a Halloween party. They threw a Halloween party, so every, all the kids would be there, mm-hmm. right? Um, and one of the Sunday school teachers said, I'm going to present the gospel in this little classroom here off to the side. If anybody wants to hear it, all they need little kids. And so I went. And it was the first time, even though I'd heard it my whole life and been told by my parents, that was the time I remember it resonating. It made sense. And I went home and got on my knees in that little second story of that little farmhouse and asked Jesus to save me. So one of the few things I remember from my childhood, actually, and I remember it vividly to this day. I could take you to the exact spot. And so I tell people that I went into the Halloween party dressed as a devil. And I came out as an angel. <laughs> Not quite, but... <laughs> a saint. There you go. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great story. So, and, you know, we, uh, we should not keep the kids, the children. I mean, Jesus said it. Let the kids, let the children come to yes. me because theirs is the kingdom. Well, well you know, what's, what's, what always has, has, has been meaningful to me about that experience was that some Sunday school teacher in the middle of... You know, the event they're putting on, which they're doing it for the gospel's sake, but it's real easy to get caught up in the event, you know, the bobbing for apples, and they were doing all of that stuff, and they had a lot going on. And some Sunday school teachers stand up and say, I'm going to speak the gospel. I'm not going to force anyone. If you want to come hear it, you know, that's not how we would normally speak to children. That's right. We would just say, hey, all of you sit down. We're going to preach to you. Right. And that's not what she did. They didn't have any preaching. There was none of that. It was just... Anybody wants to, and I remember the room being, you know, pretty full. A lot of kids wanted to. That was interesting. And you, know, you might think, well, we're in a church. Who would want to? There's a lot of reasons to, that someone would not do that. So I, I can't remember who that was. I wish I could. But I'm very grateful that somebody really put themselves out there and did it with such tenderness that you would not expect you would do when you're talking to 6- and 8- and 10-year-olds. Thank God so, that she did. Yeah, it was inc- it's an incredible testimony. I think if we could all Christians have that same mindset of the gospel, always willing, always ready to present it, and yet always with a real tenderness, not a cram it down their throat, not push it in where it doesn't belong, but just say, hey. And and what I have found, and I was a missionary for a lot of years, is that people everywhere 
are a lot more wanting, seeking the gospel than we realize. Mm-hmm. It's under the veneer. It's under the facade of the hardness, the, the, the cynical, the, 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 you know, the skepticism of the world that the world's put on them. But under that, there are a lot of people that if you just were gentle with it and said, hey, you know, I go to church and, and I know Jesus Christ, and someday I'd like to talk to you about that if you'd ever allow me to, rather than just jam it down them, right? Um, or send them to hell. Yes. Now, and, 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 and just so your hearers understand, this is coming from someone who did street preaching for 30 years. Right. So it's not like I'm against a strong, forceful. I mean, we would go and stand. What we did in Mexico, I was a missionary in Mexico for personally for 17 years, lived there for 30. As we stood and we'd go street by street, block by block and stand in the middle of the street and preach. And of course, in Mexico, where I was, um, you can hear everything through the houses. The houses are packed in tight, wall to wall. Single pane windows, right. no ACs, no, you know, it's, all the noise just goes right in. And we were out there. No, we didn't use any any amplification, but we shouted real loud. Right. And we did that every twice a day, five days a week. We did it for thirty years. Wow! And so I'm not against a forceful mm-hmm. presentation, a preaching, you might want to call it. So I'm not. It's not either or, but it's saying there's some people out there like I was, who are already wanting to, already interested in the gospel. And sometimes what it takes is an invitation. Hold out your hand as opposed to smack them with a Bible. So it, it would require uh, the wisdom to know your environment. Yes, there's discernment a, of spirits. There's a time to invite the children, mm. you know, and to, and, to, and, your, and to know your delivery. How are you going to deliver mm-hmm. it? And there's a time to speak to one person, you know, in, uh, in the office, and and there's a time for the street corner, and and there's a time, but in every time, I think the Bible would say in season and out of season, yeah. you know that that we should uh, deliver what we know is good news. Yes, Tim Keller has a great way of 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 teaching evangelism. He has a, a series of steps, but the first one I always thought was very interesting or very good on this, and it goes to that, and that is that we should be always. How would you put it? We should always be communicating to people that we have a faith we can share. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they say, wow, you did that, that's odd, and just say, well, you know, I go to church every Sunday, and it informs my decision-making, and leave it like that. And then they might say, well, what church do you go to? Because, And he tells stories of how that's happened in his own ministry, and I've seen it as well. So if we just—we don't have to think, how am I going to give the four-point gospel message? We can just say—basically, we're just stretching on hand saying— you know, everyone is drowning around you, mm-hmm. but I know how to swim, and I'd love to teach you. It's basically what you're doing, right? Every, I, I've learned how to swim, and I can teach you how to swim. I, I know something that would help you, and I'm open to, help, to sharing it with you. And just constantly exuding that around you. Be surprised how many people take you up on the offer. Do you, do you remember, or you know, maybe you remember the person, but perhaps the experience of, of that first person? Where, where you shared the gospel and someone responded to your invitation. I don't know if I remember the first person, but being a missionary, I saw a lot of that, and I remember a lot of them very specifically. Yeah. And no, it's, 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 it's the only thing comparable to it, and, and it's in a different dimension, so I'm not comparing them. One's not better or the other, but it's comparable in the way it feels is seeing your child born. Mm. It, it, that's what it's like in that yeah. sense, right? It's just, it's seeing life come out of death 
at seeing where there was not light bursting out of darkness. It's 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 an amazing thing to see someone, and especially if you have a very strong Christian, biblical, orthodox view of of salvation, right? Reformational view of salvation. Yeah. That it's not the preacher that made this. It's That's a, right. I'm, you know, I brought the message, right? Because how can they hear without a preacher? Mm-hmm. But I'm not making this. I can't make life any more than I could have made life in my own, right? My life was death until I got the message and the light and the of the gospel. What does it say? John says in his prologue that that in him was life, mm-hmm. and that life was the light of men. So he's the life, and he's the light. And so when you're a preacher, you're there, and you're putting all this effort in, so there's a satisfaction to seeing it come to fruition. And at the same time, when you have a strong reformational view of the gospel, then you have this incredible just lift of, lifting of praise, because now you're seeing God say, let me take over. Right. And now let me show you what a little bit of you can do with a whole lot of me. Yes. And you get this this radical conversion that happens right before your eyes, not from one religion to another religion. Mm -hmm. That gets diminished in sometimes evangelicals. They think of conversion coming out of X dot religion into Y religion. If that's what it is, and it's real shallow, that's Mm -hmm. that's not. We're talking about converting that Paul's talking about, right, in Ephesians, coming out by the operation of God from death to life, an impossible shift from zero to, to one, mm-hmm. right? That, that mathematicians say that's the hardest step. You can go from one to two, one to a million, one to a trillion. Yeah. That's easy. Going from nothing to something, impossible. It's what evolution can't solve, right? Mm-hmm. They can solve every. They say, "Give us life, and we'll give you the world." <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. That that give us life. Anyone that's can the, do that. That's that, the point. That's the life. point. That's right. Well, you see, I, I I now going back to my opening. God was calling Moses. Mm. You know, and when and whenever you hear uh, the testimony of that and you hear it throughout the Bible, it doesn't say Moses delivered the people. Moses went. He was the FedEx guy. He delivered yeah, the right. package, you know, and, and but it was God that delivered them with his mighty hand. Yes. And so we are the ones that God is calling. And I, and I asked you that question because uh, a lot of people fight the invitation to share the gospel. Well, there. I think one reason, and 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 I identify because even though, see, people don't realize it. I was a missionary for thirty years, preached, I don't know, thousands and thousands of sermons on the street, started several churches uh, myself. I, I was with others that did, and people think, well, it must be easy for you. It's mm-hmm. he- it's hard every single time, and I think one thing that makes it really hard for people, and it did for me, and I assume for a lot of others, is you don't want to look like an idiot. Mm-hmm. All right. And 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 the 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 solution is embracing First Corinthians. You will be an idiot. The foolishness, right, of that's the gospel—that's right. the power of God. God God set it up for it to for you to look foolish. And so I, maybe could, it's if you could get over yourself. Yes, that's the the humility, the surrender. That's right, and that's the key to the entire New Testament. Yeah, right. Is is crucifying yourself. Mm-hmm. Everything we battle with. To do good and not do evil, to be good and not be evil, everything we battle with and in every aspect of our life and our faith is not wanting to crucify the self. The moment you die to self, all the other things line all up. It's the secret. That's why I think Galatians two twenty is such an important passage to yes. memorize early yes. in in one's uh, Christian walk. I, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's right. Uh, that you could begin to surrender 
what you want, your plans, yeah, and say, Lord, now it's now it's you. I live for you. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Give me my 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 callings. You know, give me my what whatever what I'm to do today. And and so, you know, I think that if if more of us regular Christians. You know, because we all want mm-hmm. the Billy Grahams to come in and and the the big name mm. to come into the Alamo Dome and and fill it, and then we'll we'll clap our hands when you know hundred people give there. But if you could get one, and this just multiply that, yeah. You know, I think I think God is. I, I know God is calling. Matthew twenty eight nineteen is not qualified. You know, just mm-hmm. for preachers. That's right. It's, it says, go ye, in yeah. the King James, and, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't qualify it. It just says you. Yes. I'm no, and, you. And, the, and the spirit of the New Testament is that, that everyone has become light and salt. Jesus didn't preach a Sermon on the Mount. That wasn't a, the Sermon on the Mount was not a pastor's conference. Mm-hmm. He preached it to people who were just there. And, and you look at the doctrinal substance, the depth of that sermon, it's amazing, right, that he's saying this to people who you think— who are these? These are just normal people, and he's just unloading on them this incredibly dig- doctrinal thing. But that's—and he tells them, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. And and I think Christians tend to be pessimistic about the world today. I know, you know, you got the left-behind type Christians that, you know, the uh, the rapture's here. And I, I, I don't care one way or the other about right. the, the actual doctrine of it, but the mindset of it, of saying all that's left is the white knuckle, the armrest, and wait till we get— Blast it out of here, right. right? Just hold our breath to the end. It's the wrong way of looking at it, and it's the wrong way to think. Well, we need someone big. Christianity has always been an under the current movement. You go back and read it historically, all the way back until the time of Jesus. Your Jesus, we think of Jesus appointing the apostles. That was him up on a little hilltop on Galilee with twelve people saying, "You're going to change the world." And the people walking around seeing that, what are they doing? I don't know. That's weird. They're weird people up there. Don't. You know, that it, 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 we think about it, it's just very minute. It's like, how could that be? And yet they went from there believing in their hearts they were going to transform the world through the power of Jesus Christ. And Christians need to realize that. We don't need a big movement. Mm-hmm. We need, like you said, for every Christian to crucify themselves. That will get themselves over all the fears and all the, all the things that are all the obstacles. And they need to be light and salt. And they need to quit thinking that the end is near. Right. And they need to think, it's right now is the best time to start. Let's start. Because when Jesus talked about the end, he didn't say, you know, hold your breath and wait. He said, occupy till I come. That was his message, right? It's like, yeah, the end is near. Get to work. Not the end is near. Coast, mm-hmm. coast on out. And so, yeah. So if you do believe that the end is near and, and you have that that belief, and I, mm-hmm. and, and I, I don't know how a Christian— would not these days, that should motivate you. That yes. should light a fire under you that I need to share this good news. I need to share the gospel with everyone I know. That's right. How would you today maybe take a, take a moment uh, just to encourage someone to be the evangelist, to be the, the bearer of good news and, and, and deliver that to someone that they, you know, it doesn't have to be a stranger. Mm-hmm. It could be your neighbor. It could be your coworker. It could be your child or your parents. How would you encourage someone to do that? Well, I would I would start off by by pointing out that for too many people, being saved is past and future and has almost nothing to do with the present. Mm. If you ask, in fact, I just I've done surveys on this, and if you ask people, what does it mean to be saved? They'll say, my sins were forgiven, and I am going to heaven. And if you press them and say, yes, but what does it mean right now? 
right now. Take those two things away. Say they didn't exist. What does it mean right now? And most Christians are dumbfounded. They don't know what it means right now. Well, what it means right now is we are part of this amazing new creation. God, the the message of the Bible from Genesis 4 on is one basic premise, underlying premise, and that is he is recreating everything. And so put aside eschatology. Quit trying to work out today based on what you think is going to happen tomorrow, because we've every Christian has ever always gotten that wrong. 100% of the time, there's not a single prophecy that's come true right the way they said. So I'm not saying we don't study eschatology, but that should be the end things, not the start things. So put that aside and just say, right, if God is recreating everything, and we are new creatures in Christ Jesus, and we are now seated in heavenly places, in not, not will be, are, Colossians, we are now seated in in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, that means we are part of this. Not just we are the new creation, we are part of the new creating. Mm-hmm. God, and that's what Christ was sending them out to do. He didn't send them out to tra- to reform people. He sent them out to recreate people. Now, that what Paul says, who's sufficient for these things, right? We don't have the power for that, but we but we can bring that power through the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And so when you real I think when a person realizes that this isn't something God is going to do like long in the future or something he did do long in the past, but he's doing it every day right now. People think the world's getting worse and worse. Well, I'm not convinced that that's the case. I'm not sure about that. Mm-hmm. And I think too often we just Take that as a default position. I think what we ought to see is that regardless of the macrocosm of how the world is becoming, when you give the gospel to one person and they become recreated, they come and they take part in that new creation. They're not only part of being recreated, but they then become recreators themselves. The world is not worse for them. The world world is dramatically better. Dramatically better. I've seen people who who were... who were addict in addictions, and I've had people come to the churches in Mexico. We'd meet in the open air parks. We didn't have buildings. We just mm-hmm. met in the parks, and I'd have them come to church, drunk out of their minds, wanting to fight me and wanting to beat me up because their because their their wife had gotten saved. And they they'd come up. This one man, for instance, I can think, remember specifically, came to church for that reason. And when he gets close, he hears I'm preaching. Wife, submit yourselves to your husbands. I'm reading that verse. And he heard that, and he goes, well, I'm not going to beat him up today, right? I'll, I'll give him one more chance, right? And the next thing that he comes, and I'm preaching, children, submit yourselves to your, to your fathers. And he's like, well, one more time. Well, by the third time, he's no longer drunkard. He's yeah. showing up sober, and then he gives his life to Christ. And he's still in the church in Mexico. And that's, yeah. you know, 25 years going. And, and when you look at him, you ask him, is the world better or worse? That's right. He'll tell you the world is a lot better. That's right. It's a lot better. And us being in the world makes it better. Makes it better. Not Forget about politics. Forget mm-hmm. about the... We make the world better, even if it's for one person. And that goes back to what you're saying. If every single Christian would just be a Christian where they're at, right, then they could make the world better for one person. And when you look at the, at the, the experience of the apostles... And the degeneration of the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. it, 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 was, it was horrible to live in that time. What did they do? They and their followers and their followers and their followers went around and made the world better for one person. For one person and at the time. Christianity went from 500 people to the predominant religion in the world. 
not because of, quote-unquote, Billy Graham's and no criticism of him, right. but because every Christian decided to make the world better for one person, and there's only one way to do that, and that's through Jesus Christ. Politics doesn't make the world better. Amen. Even good politics does that's not right. make the world better for anybody, but Jesus does. Amen. Pastor, tell me about your church. Invite us to church on Sunday. Where do we find you? So we're at uh, 8934 Broadway. We meet in the building of, of Recovery Ministries. That's their building. There's a church. They meet there in the morning. We meet there Sundays at 2 p.m. Uh, from 2 to 4.30, and uh, 8934 Broadway, and uh, we're there every Sunday. And uh, we love for people to come. It's a very uh, intellectually uh, found-based type of preaching. We want people to understand the gospel. We want them to understand how it, how it interlocks with your culture, how to respond to your children, give them answers to what they are experiencing, what they're dealing with in college and high school or wherever. We mm-hmm. want them to get that. So, so it is very biblical. It's also quite intellectually challenging. So we invite people to come. We'd love to try to teach them what, how the Bible relates to them. And on the Internet, we can find you at FreeBornChurch.com. That is correct, FreeBornChurch.com. All right. And uh, what time is the service one more time? It is Sundays at 2 p.m., and we end at 4.30. And that's, that's the, you're in the northeast part of town, yeah. uh, not too far off of 35? Yeah. No, right off of 410, Broadway. So we're three blocks off of 410. Three blocks off Going of Going north. There you go. So every Sunday you're there, San Antonio, love to see you in church. Get back to church. Amen. And uh, Freeborn, uh, get to church and Pastor Mike, and love to see you there. And let's be light. Amen. Let's be salt. Thank you. God bless you, San Antonio. Thank you for joining us today as we featured our AM630 The Word Church of the Week. We hope that during this past half hour, you got a chance to know the pastor and learn something about their church. We encourage you to get involved in your local community church. If you'd like to nominate your pastor to be featured on an upcoming Church of the Week program, submit your nominations at am630theword.com.